Hey guys, this is Stephanie and happy new year. It is oh what, like six days or so into 2020 when this episode releases. So I am really excited for the new year. I love all the talk on goals and everything that's kind of coming up with this new decade. And right now, um, people are either kind of still motivated and into whatever goals they were setting, or they are starting to just kind of slip, <laughs> slip back into what's comfortable, what's known. And I just want to read a quote to you by Neil Gaiman. And I posted this on social media on, I think it was January 1st, but I feel like it's appropriate just to bring it up again here. And the quote says this, I hope that in this year to come, you make mistakes. Because if you are making mistakes, then you are making new things and trying new things and learning and living and pushing yourself, changing yourself and changing the world. You're doing things you've never done before. And more importantly, you're doing something. So that is my wish for you and all of us and my wish for myself. Make new mistakes. Make glorious, amazing mistakes. Make mistakes nobody ever made before. Don't freeze. Don't stop. Don't worry that it's not good enough or that it isn't perfect. Whatever it is, whether it's art or love or work or family life, whatever it is you're scared of doing, do it. Make your mistakes next year and forever. I love that quote. <laughs> I love that quote so much because how true is it that we have these big goals that we want to set, whether it doesn't even matter like what area it's in, but it's so scary because we just don't want to mess it up, especially if there's, I don't know, like could be a lot of repercussions if it, if it's something that's, you know, pertaining to our finances or our marriage or, you know, our business or whatever that might be. So if you are starting to just slip back into old habits already or feel scared to pursue something that you really want, I hope that quote gives you a little extra motivation today just like it did for me. And it just kind of helps you get back on course and just do it scared. So competition, you guys, <laughs> I love me some competition. I was an athlete growing up and I loved it then. And I love it now. Although kind of as an adult, it's now more like competition to win the best costume <laughs> at an adult Halloween party, which Justin and I totally did the last time we went um, to at a party, we went as like a filter, hashtag filter, hashtag no filter costume. And I'm going to go ahead and post that picture somewhere on social media because it's amazing. Literally, my husband is in like this brunette curly wig and a dress. <laughs> it is. It was pretty epic. Anyways, my husband and I also, like we would play sand volleyball. We actually just played this past season in a beer league with a group of friends from our gym that we go to. And most of most of them, including Justin, had really never even played before. And I had to like really try to remind myself that Stephanie, it is a beer league. Calm down. You literally don't have to win this league. Okay. And it's just okay to laugh at myself sometimes, you know, if I like miss a ball or shank a serve or whatever. But that just doesn't come naturally to me. And I'm sure some of you guys relate. Like, especially if you played a sport, when you go and do like a beer league of it, you still want to win. Like you still really, it's really not just that you're really not just there to like, you know, hang out and play. You are. You you totally are. But there's still something inside of you that's like, oh, I just want to win. <laughs> um, but also board games, y'all forget it there is so much trash talking and Monopoly just is not even something that can be played in the Sims family. 
Ticket to Ride has caused some arguments. Um, sorry, the board game. Shoots and ladders with our children. <laughs> and God forbid someone like interrupts an attempt at Longest Road in Settlers of Catan. You get my point. My mom actually bought me and Justin and his brother and sister-in-law, who we actually used to do a lot of game nights with, she bought us a game called Pandemic because it's actually a game where you have to work together as a team to win. And so she just thought that would help our marriages if if she could find us a board game that we wouldn't have to like go at each other's throats for. Either way, competition is a problem, right? And with me and Justin, I mean, our competitive drive has really served us both well in, in many areas of our life. And it served us in our finances when we were paying off our debt. It served us when we set goals because we're both really committed to doing anything it took to achieve them. And oftentimes that kind of means like making hard decisions in the moment and sacrificing some just short-term gratification because there was no way we were going to let ourselves fail. For example, uh, Justin was in a job about, I don't know, like two years ago that he was just not super happy with. We wanted to start adding some like passive income so that if or when he wanted to leave the workplace, we could have another source of income just to replace his. So we started to invest in rental properties, which my mom and my stepdad actually had done for, I don't know, maybe a year or two prior to us deciding to, for us deciding to hop into this like rental world. And the goal was passive income, but making that a reality kind of meant that like we took a house that was in really rough shape, not even livable. And we just put a ton of work into it. And it took so much effort just to renovate it and make it a really nice place that someone, you know, would like and enjoy living in. And it absolutely, you guys, does not look (laughs) like Chip and Joe. (laughs) You know, they are so cute and everything looks so transformational and not necessarily easy, but just, I don't know, more enjoyable. And I I can't say that we related to that. I mean, maybe once our kids are in school and we can both do it. Um, that might change the story for us a little bit with this, but at this time we had like four little kids, like you guys know. So typically I would just stay home, um, and Justin would go work on the rental. So basically he would work all day long, more than, I don't know, like 40 hours a week at his just, you know, quote unquote, like nine to five job and head to our rental properties directly after work. He would not even come home and he would work until like 10 or 11. And then he'd get up the next day and do it all over again. So he did that. And then for me, I was just managing our boys and our life and managing the house. And I was also working full time. I just was working from home. And I had to handle, as far as the real estate side goes, vetting tenants, calling references, coordinating and organizing all of the, I don't know, like the expenses and the finances of the project, just all the daggone things. Okay. And we did this on and off for almost a year, I think. And it was incredibly challenging, (laughs) but we knew that the end goal was for, you know, us to make income, passive income for this. Um, And so that way, when and if Justin decided to walk away from the workforce or workspace or whatever you want to call it, we had income to support him doing that. We kind of like having control (laughs) over our future. And this was a way that we saw we could do that, right? So... Justin and I also, so if you don't really know our story, we met very young. I was 16 and he was 19. And you can imagine how little faith (laughs) people had when we, that we would even make it. 
especially given how we used to fight a ton when we were younger and not even over major things, but simply because neither of us really even knew how to back down. And we both felt the need to just win every single argument. And small things would just become really big things because neither of us were, I don't know, like ever willing just to back down. You know, when you like fight for so long and then you're not even like fighting about the main thing anymore, you're fighting about what somebody said or the look or the attitude or whatever the heck it is. And it just brings up this whole can of worms. That would just be how it was. And good Lord, we would just spiral. And don't get me wrong, we totally loved each other and we were happy, but just when it came to fighting, things were very explosive and generally ended with like a whatever, we'll just agree to disagree. We typically did not even come to an agreement. Um, and we got married and the competitiveness, competitiveness, you guys, it didn't stop. Shocker. I don't know why it's like common. It's, I mean, I guess in like a kid mind that marriage will all of a sudden like change us into this like perfect couple. And our younger siblings would start, they would, we got, we are like the first ones in our sibling group or whatever, just because everything started so young for us, um, to get married and all that thing all, and all the things. So our younger siblings would kind of start dating or they would get married or engaged or whatever else. And I remember, and I think it was my sister-in-law who had been with her boyfriend for a while. And at the time of this conversation, it was her, uh, her fiance and they had never really fought. <laughs> they were like, no, we've, I don't think we've ever really, you know, we haven't really ever had like a, a fight. And I remember looking at Justin and we both just busted out laughing. Like if there is one thing that we know how to do, it's fight. And I think we were probably married for a couple years at this point. But, you know, like we were both firstborn children, which I think really played a huge role in this. And we were both used to being in charge. We were used to being independent. And frankly, like both of us used to kind of getting our way because we knew how to put in the work to get it. And we would not really even settle for anything less until we made that happen. So you guys, that made for some fun times while we were dating and newly married. But as we've grown um, together, just, you know, over the years, you guys, we were so much better. Oh my goodness. We used to get in big screaming fights a lot, obviously what I've been saying early on. And now it's pretty rare. Uh, we've both learned just to choose our battles and we've also become wiser not everything, <laughs> not everything that you think needs to be said out loud, okay? And sometimes your spouse is being mean, but then there are other times when like really you're reading too much into it. You know, you have unsaid expectations that weren't met because guess what? Y'all didn't say them. I didn't say it. Um, and so sometimes we're just being sensitive. And so that goes both ways. Lord knows that I can be mean and I can be passive aggressive and he will just let it roll off his shoulders these days and really vice versa. And I think the biggest lesson we learned is that we aren't perfect. <laughs> we both have very strong emotions and those emotions just mix with the need to be right all the time can just cause a huge blow up. And we've kind of learned that we are that stereotypical guy girl in our relationship he can, you know, compartmentalize things just about everything. And it drives me nuts. For me, it is just like one big jumbled mess. If like something in my life is off, if something is off in my life, I really, really struggle to focus. 
if me and Justin have an argument, it can totally shut me down until it's resolved where he can just feel like it's done and he's over it and it's fine or he'll just sort it out later. And I'm like, what? No, (laughs) no, 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 no. How do you just like have an argument and then just go about your day? Like I literally cannot do that. That is just some kind of ridiculousness that I just cannot even fathom. But I have learned that he really does let things roll off. And he's not necessarily just like sidestepping the combo. He is basically like, okay, so what? We were both upset. I love you. And it's over. But he has learned that I need more than that. (laughs) I really need to feel like it's resolved. Both ways are fine. But Early on, that was an issue because I would just keep being annoying and like following him around the house and like talking to him and like wanting just to sit face to face and just like go over and over and over what happened. And I don't know, I felt like if I didn't do that, I was scared that, I don't know, it was just like sweeping things under the rug and it would come back to bite us later. But he was worried that just continuing to fight and just go in circles was really only going to make things worse. And now, you know, we've learned over 15 years now almost of being together. He knows that I need to talk through it longer. So I really know we are good. But I have also learned I don't need to talk in circles for four hours. (laughs) It's okay to just have an argument and still love each other and be sorry and forgive each other and then move on. Really, that's okay too. And like I just said, we had been together for almost 15 years. It'll be 15 years this upcoming June of 2020. And we are actually uh, taking a kid-free 10-year anniversary trip back to where our honeymoon was. And we are so excited. But over the 15 years, we have seen our competitive nature lead to some big fights. And now that we have kind of grown and matured in our marriage and in just life in general, It has also caused some of the best moments in our life. So here's what we've learned. That we are on the same team. Okay? We have the same goals for our family. We we are on the same team. And you all are going to laugh, but literally, (laughs) we call ourselves the Sims team. Like, between me and my husband and my kids. We even have, like, huddles with our boys where we, like, all put our hands in the middle and... Yeah, it's a thing, okay? Like if we need to talk or whatever it is, we literally have huddles and we call ourselves the Sims team. And I want to pause really quickly and give you a little parenting tip that I figured out with my boys. So you can take it or leave it. But it is so common, at least I feel like it's common. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Either way, I feel like it's common to have your kids compete with one another. And I mean, you know how it is. Like first one in bed wins or the first kid that finishes their dinner gets a prize or whoever gets you know, buckled in their car seat first wins. And it's like, it all seems so harmless and normal. And sometimes it even seems like a great motivator for the kids to kind of get them to accomplish whatever task you need them, you know, to do in an efficient time. Except for us and like for our boys, it wasn't harmless. And whoever lost like buckling their car seat or whoever did not finish their bites first would just start to cry. (laughs) And the kid who won would have like this, you know, freaking grin on their face and sometimes might even decide to openly like gloat or like rub it into their brothers. And at bedtime, we used to say, okay, guys, whoever's in bed first wins. And it would literally end with kids like shoving and tripping each other. And someone was in tears because he tripped me. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I realized that competition within the Sims house 
was not healthy. And now it wasn't anything major, but I realized that I don't want them to compete with each other in an unhealthy way. When they are older, I want them to go out in the world and work and compete like crazy. I want them to, you know, just understand that hard work and hustle pays off. And I want to foster a mentality that win or lose, they put everything into whatever they choose to do. I want them to experience being knocked down and to even lose unfairly sometimes. I want them to deal with a loss so they will know how to overcome it and push harder. And I think that's something that competition teaches. You know, I want them to earn whatever spot or space they get in the world. That being said, I don't want that within our Sims house. In this house, we are a team. (laughs) So now this is what bedtime looks like. Here's what I'll say. All right, Sims team, once you are all in bed, we win. (laughs) Or dinner switch to, hey guys, once you all have finished your food, the Sims team will get a prize, which you guys, it's like a high five or something really cool. But when it's time to clean, I just say, okay, Sims team, time to get your room together, work together and come give me a high five when you're done. And you guys, oh my gosh, this has changed the dynamic in our house. It has changed from tripping and pushing each other to Noah actually unbuckling himself in the car seat, like before we leave, and helping Graham with his bottom buckle, and then getting back in his own car seat and rebuckling himself. Like it's a totally different feel in The Sims house now. In this house, there is trust and companionship and collaboration among all of us. And in this house, we help each other and we see each other's needs and we work together as a team so that out in the real world, We can compete, but they will know that competition is about bettering yourself, the whole you versus you mentality, and those around you. It's not tearing others down so that you end up on top. A verse I want to literally put up on our walls here soon is this. It's from Philippians 2, and it's verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. My boys definitely (laughs) got their parents' competitiveness, and our goal is to teach them how to harness it for their good and for others' good. And I have to tell you guys one more story, okay? And this is of my sweet Noah, who is seven and a half at the time of this recording. And this just happened um, maybe like last week. So him and Wesley got two big Lego sets for Christmas, okay? And I told them at some point, you know, that we could build one after they woke up from nap. Well, they both wanted to do their own, shocker. And I told them, you know what, guys, talk it out. Pick one, you know, one of those two. And they were going back and forth for why, you know, Wesley was like, this is why mine's cooler than yours. And Noah was like, yeah, but mine has these cool things. Like, let's do mine. So they were going back and forth for like 10 minutes. And then Noah all of a sudden looked at me and said, Hey mom, in church, I learned that God wants us to put other people and what they want above what we want for ourselves. And oh my goodness, mama heart, right? (laughs) But then I could tell he was about to use that to tell Wesley that he needs to let him have what he wants. You know what I mean? So I just looked at Noah and all I said was, you're so right. So what does that mean for you? right now in this situation. (laughs) 
And we just stared at each other for, I mean, it felt like probably 30 to 45 seconds. And this whole time I kept my mouth shut because I could just see his little brain. You know, I could see his little thought processes that was going through his little mind. And it went from just watching his face. It went from Wesley should probably let me do mine to, oh, shoot, maybe that means that I need to let him do his Legos. (laughs) And tears, you guys, just started like forming in his little eyes. And I just kept staring at him because I could, again, see this little process happening. And once the tears started, I just smiled kind of slightly just to tell him that the conclusion that I'm assuming he's about to come to because of the tears in his eyes is the right one. And I'm still quiet at this point and he just hops down from the chair and he puts his Legos away and he comes back and tells Wesley's that Wesley that we they could just do his. And Wesley, he ain't not. Listen, he just turned 5. He was like so excited. <laughs> he had no idea what just happened. He thought he won and whatever he's, you know, like I said, a new new 5-year-old. But for Noah, Noah, that was the first time that I had witnessed him make a hard decision because his little heart desired to follow Jesus's example. And when he came back into the room, just in complete tears, not like boohoo tears, but just, you know, he had like little tears running down his cheeks. And I called him over because I was so excited. I couldn't even handle it. Um, And I just gave him a huge hug. And I told him how proud I was of him. I also, side note, (laughs) I don't know if this was the right decision, but I literally just said, dude, I am so proud of you. Like we can also do your Legos. And I gave him $10. (laughs) So I don't even know. Maybe I should have just let him, you know, sit in that. But I just wanted him to see like the decision to put your brother before yourself. Like I wanted to reward him in some way, shape or form. But that was also the first moment that I had really witnessed like his little heart just give up something. Um, that he really wanted for his brothers. And it was a good reminder for me also, because like, doesn't that just remind you of God anyways? The second you let something go out of obedience, don't you typically get something even better? Anywho, I digress. Okay. So back to marriage and competitiveness. What Justin and I have learned is that the best way for us to use our competitiveness is to outserve one another, to outlove one another, to outthink and outgive. Justin will work all day and then come home and jump right into our family life. He will work all day and then handle our rentals. He will clean or cook or whatever he needs to do. And I try to handle everything the house brings during the day so that most nights when he is home, we can not necessarily be just focused on like tasks and keeping up, but just on our family. I mean, I will talk about wanting something just, I don't know, something random and The next day, I will literally get like five texts about this thing that I was talking about and different deals that he's found on it. Like, hey, what do you think? You know, or if he wants something, good Lord, he will literally research it for like, I don't know, seven years before he actually commits to anything. And I will literally just like go on and order it because good Lord, if you want it and it's not unreasonable, then just freaking get it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like he just will not buy things for himself at all, ever, without fully thinking through it. I'm like, dude, it's $20. Like just freaking hit the purchase button and be done with it, okay? So we still have a lot of room to grow, but I think both of us have really learned how to focus on what's helpful to the other. We have learned that it's okay to let things roll off when one of us has a bad day. 
We've learned that the little things are actually the big things. I think there can be a lot of confusion or pressure over what it means um, for the husband to lead their household. But to me, it's very simple. The leader of the household is the lead servant of the household, just as Jesus was. In Matthew 23, verse 12, it says, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I don't know, but I would say uh, servant leadership is part of what makes someone the head of the household. And this describes just to a T. He is like an energizer bunny, you guys. I, it doesn't mean he never wants to just like sit for a daggone second or doesn't feel like doing something. And Justin being the leader of our household also does not mean that I don't serve or leave this family. It just means that, like I've been saying, we are the Sims team. And the point of our marriage is to portray the gospel to our kids and to the world. And you guys have all heard uh, that the husband is like the head of the household and that the wife is the helper or the whole wives submits your husband thing. And you guys, I know people get offended by this and I can understand why if it's not applied like appropriately. But think of it, think of it this way. We all know the sayings like there's too many cooks in the kitchen or too many chiefs or whatever. Why do those sayings exist? It is because you can't have two chiefs. You can't have two lead cooks. You can't have like two head coaches. Teams function better with one leader who has the best interest of the team as the top priority and has invested in the relationships with the members of the team or whoever just to know what they need. And they've learned how to push or lead them and challenge them. And typically, you earn that spot of that leader or that head coach and husbands earn that through marriage. And assuming you have married like a noble man and not a crapid who, you know, is not perfect, but he really does desire what's best for you and your family. And I do think that this verse is often taken out of context though, and it's used as an excuse for abuse. And that's, you guys, that's just not in any form, any capacity, what it's about. Have you ever like had a coach or a boss, whatever, that was horrible and every decision they made seemed to be centered around what was best for them, what was convenient for them. And it just makes you question your role on the team. You kind of feel slimy because you know how selfish and short-sighted they're being. And you now have to just like deal with the consequences because, hey, they're your boss or your coach or whatever. But what about a coach or a boss, okay, that you respected a ton, you knew that he or she had integrity. You knew they were not concerned about their own selfish gains, but would fight for what's right regardless. And maybe he or she had to make a hard decision. And though you may or may not have like wholeheartedly agree, you would just kind of respect the decision because you know it was made with thought and experience and with the approach of servitude to their team or to their staff or whoever. That is what the husband leading the household should be like. It's not that he's making all the decisions. Good Lord. Okay. I make so many decisions and that wives are just left there with their tail between their legs saying like, okay, I guess since you said that, no, that's not what it is. Okay. Have you guys ever watched New Amsterdam? It's like a medical show on Netflix, Amazon Prime, something. And the metal, medical director, his name is Max. And his main line in that show is how can I help? Somebody comes with a problem, how can I help? What can I do? How can I help? Okay. So the truth here, ladies, is that 
you know, no one is perfect. No one has a perfect filter. No relationship worth having is immune to arguments. But if you work to just outserve, okay, and just out give and out love each other instead of competing <laughs> in the stereotypical way of trying to argue your point all the time, I guarantee your relationship grows in a positive way. We may hustle and be competitive out there in the world, but in this home, we are the Sims team. And if you've ever read the book Atomic Habits, there is just a, I don't know, it's kind of a theme throughout the whole book, but basically it's about making yourself 1% better every day. So I don't know where you're at in your marriage. Sucks, great, middle of the road, you know, who knows. But can you not, okay, so hold on, let me just back it up for a second. If you are somebody who is in like a not wonderful marriage right now, and you guys, I really am always talking to um, those relationships that are healthy, but unperfect, never like physically, emotionally abusive. Okay. So those things are never okay. So what I'm saying though, you are in a relationship with someone and you know, you're married or not, whatever and you are just struggling right now, both of you are good people, you just are, are kind of clashing, okay? So that's who I'm talking to right now. Um, but if this is you, I don't want you to look at January 6, 2020 and say, you know, by, by next week, I want a perfect marriage. I mean, obviously, that's ridiculous anyways. But what can you do today that makes your marriage 1% better? Just 1% better. Is it a text maybe you don't feel like sending, but just saying like, Hey, I love you. Thanks for, you know, working so hard for our family. Is it maybe like holding your tongue and not complaining, you know, that day to him and not because you're trying to be fake, but just because you know that you've kind of like, all you do is complain. (laughs) I've been there. Right. Um, and he's just kind of a sounding board, but that can be exhausting. You know, is it just booking a sitter, even though you're exhausted and having a date night? Uh, What can you do today that makes your marriage 1% better? Just 1%, not 50%, not even 5%, 1% better. Do that. Do that, you guys. And then tomorrow, do the same thing. What can make us 1% better? And then in one year, December of 2020, if you've just done that little, small, easy thing, then you look back and maybe your marriage is not 100%. But maybe you started at like, I don't know, 15% good. And you've been doing that 1% better every single day or most days. And now in December, you guys are like 50% good. And then you just continue to do it year after year after year after year. After weeks and weeks and days and days. And it just is all, always, it's always something you work on. 1% better. Okay. That's not as, that's not as overwhelming as trying to like fix the whole dang thing. And fix yourself. Okay. You legitimately cannot change anyone. However, your kindness, your forgiveness, your, um, you know, compassion, your thoughtfulness, that has a, you know, an effect on other people, on your husband. Okay. So change yourself, get your heart right. Uh, a verse or not a verse, a quote that I've, I've really loved, um, especially because Justin and I can be like really quick with our mouth when we're upset is this, it says, hold your tongue until the Holy Spirit has your heart or has a hold of your heart or something. I don't know. But that is very helpful because you guys can't unsay something, you know, um, 
You just can't, you can't, you can't unsay it. You can't unhear it. You can forgive it. You can whatever you've heard this. I'm just saying. So maybe holding your tongue. Maybe that's the 1%. Maybe he deserves it. <laughs> maybe he deserves to hear what you're about to say. But is that going to make your marriage 1% worse or 1% better? And is it absolutely needed? Is it absolutely needed? Some things are, okay? But again, you can be blunt and you can be very clear and also be kind, okay? So, all right. Um, anyways, I hope that this all just started to stir some ideas in you that will help your relationship. And I hope you know that wherever you are at right now, that you are already enough. And I know I say that a lot, but I just really, really um, pray. And I, and I really want this podcast, you guys, not for you to listen to it and be like, oh my gosh, <laughs> now I have all these things that I need to work on and all. No, I mean, yes, but no, like where you're at is already good enough. I just, I just want us to take where we're at and just take that next best step for us, for our family, for our marriage and our finances. I just, I just want us to do that together. And I hope you know that we can all do better and we can all become better, but that just doesn't take away from your identity where you're at right now or your self-worth just because we have yet to arrive at like the best version of ourselves. Hello. So if you're anything like me, you know, you know that you have a long way to go. I don't, I still don't think that we have enough, um, control to play Monopoly, you guys. <laughs> I'm like not even being, I'm like being totally serious. Uh, I don't, it just doesn't happen. Can't happen. Okay. So listen, we are all just trying to work to be the best version of ourselves. but let's remember that just because we have room to grow doesn't mean we're not already enough because you are sweet friends and I am too. All right. So did you know that there is an active Facebook group called the Legacy Through Motherhood Community with Stephanie Sims? And I would love for you to join. The link will be in the show notes for this episode, but you could also just type that name into the Facebook search bar. And there is a lot of great discussion happening right now. Typically, I think it's around like finances and goal setting right now. And we would just love to have your voice, okay? Because we are all different. And also, if you are on Instagram, follow me at legacy underscore through underscore motherhood. And if you would like to join the email list, just go to www.simsarrows.com. Um, actually, in the next episode, I kind of explain where Sims Arrows came from. So if you're a little confused because the whole legacy through motherhood, you know, Instagram and Facebook, and then my like website is simsarrows.com, uh, at the beginning of the next episode, I actually kind of... Uh, explain that. So tune in. Join me next week as we dive back into mindset. You guys, we've like made one full circle. This is exciting. And we are going to start discussing what some self-limiting beliefs are. And I will be discussing some of my personal ones that I really struggle with and I struggle to get over. And I will teach you guys just some exercises you can do to identify what your self-limiting beliefs are because typically they're they're really not even obvious and then how to start to even overcome them once you do figure it out i am very excited to talk about this topic because i think it's something that can make a huge impact just by creating some awareness in a plan of i don't know like attack or something on how to deal with them and i am looking forward to continuing this conversation with you guys and help you find your grit while completely covering you and grace